Hey everyone, it's Jonathan, and welcome back to the Disney Movie Marathon. This episode is the final episode in our original Fantasia series, and like I've done with the previous episodes, I'm going to leave the original intro intact, but I will probably trim off the end since it will be teasing the next episode of that show, and not the next episode of this one. Anyway, let's get on with our episode on Fantasia 2000. Hey everyone, welcome back to the I Heart Podcast. My name is Jonathan North, and welcome to the fourth and final episode of my month-long celebration of Walt Disney's Fantasia. This week we're going to be talking about the sequel to Fantasia, Fantasia 2000. Like I said in the first Fantasia episode, I was originally planning to do all the Disney movies in canon order, but I decided to make an exception for sequels. Reviewing sequels right after the original films lets us more accurately compare the films, since they'll be fresher in our minds especially in this case where we have an almost full 60 year gap between releases. Also, like with Fantasia, I have an article that I did for the Rotoscopers a few years ago going into the history and some behind the scenes on the film. So if you're interested in that, I'll have it linked in the description below. Okay, let's get on with the last episode in our Fantasia series, Fantasia 2000. Now that you've seen both, what is your opinion on this one over the first one? Do you like this one better or not as much? I feel like I like this one better. I kind of figured. <laughs> <laughs> like, I could actually see myself revisiting this one and the other one not so much. The You're not the only one who feels that way. Okay. I like the first one better, of course. But there's a lot more tied into that one for me than just, oh, I like this movie. Like childhood. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, there's a lot of people who really don't like the first one who really do like the second one, so you're not alone in that opinion. And it's not like I was totally enraptured by the second one either, but there was enough stuff that I mm -hmm. did like. For me, it's kind of a mixed bag, but yeah, we'll it get is. Into that. It is. I guess we can start go through them in order. So the first piece of music was Symphony Number no. 5 by Beethoven. And this one is another abstract one, like we had the abstract one that started out the first Fantasia, so they decided to do the same thing for this one. But this one I feel is less abstract than the first one, because the first one was just, it was really random, and it was just random shapes and colors and clouds and f moving forms. This one is like, they were, they were basically trying to tell a story with shapes. You could, you could, I guess the story was abstract, but like, basically it was butterflies and bats having some sort of a battle, but it was just abstract forms. And they killed a raggedy little Dorito butterfly. <laughs> I never even thought of the butterflies as Doritos, but that was the first thing she said. They look like nacho chip butterflies. Yeah. <laughs> Which didn't, I'm sorry, I realize this takes so much work to make these, but it would have been so much more interesting to me if they had done actual butterflies, if they had made them really beautiful, mm. and actual bats, even though I don't necessarily agree with making them evil, and having them eat a little Dorito butterfly, which actually would make more sense if they ate a butterfly. And then... The really loud green and orange in that one section, I really just didn't... I mean, it part of this felt just kind of like a screensaver 
you know? And I could see to that. music, yeah. which isn't all bad, but I would have liked to see this be more visually beautiful. I liked the waterfall effect yeah, that I they had at really the beginning. Like that that was beautiful. If they had done more in that vein, mm -hmm. I would have liked that better. No complaints about the music, just your little Dorito butterflies and the poor little butterfly getting snuffed out. <laughs> well, he didn't die because, like, he was there at the end flapping after the whole flock. Slowly. He was with his little raggedy... Oh, I thought he died. Okay, scratch that. He's okay. He's just on benefits now. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, that one that one was one that I just felt was fine. I liked it well enough, but it wasn't sure. anything glorious. It wasn't one of my absolute favorites. I like the next one, which is one of my favorites, and it is one of the main reasons why I can't write this film off as just a cheap sequel, because I love The Pines of Rome with the flying whales. It's so good. The animation on the whales at the beginning, I actually, there was something about it that was mildly intimidating to me. Like, visually intimidating. If I saw that on a huge screen and if I was in the right mood, that might kind of disturb me. I had, like, maybe 1% disturbed feeling at the beginning. <laughs> I don't know why. Because I like watching nature programs with, whale, I, with whales. I think maybe it was just the animation style. It could be. There are people who do not like this section because they don't like the whales, the way they're animated, because they did use CGI. Okay, for the because whales. I didn't know why they looked different, and I wasn't as big of a fan. One of the things visually that I did like were different segments of the underwater cave, like the mm, ice cave. Yeah. It had kind of an old fashioned animation feeling and was beautiful and kind of educational and i like the relationship of the baby whale calf with its parents mm -hmm. at baby one whale is very cute at one point you're like hey mom do you even see that your baby whale found you where are you going <laughs> anyway one thing that i did not remember correctly is i thought that they were going to have more up in the sky like them floating through purple clouds with stars or something did i miss something because i thought there was going to be more and then when they get to the top and it's like the sky ocean it yeah it looks cool but i thought there was going to be more besides the little baby whale getting electrocuted and stuff <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't getting electrocuted he was just scared of the lightning okay <laughs> it really looked they made it look like he was getting zapped <laughs> <laughs> I just so I just didn't remember it correctly. Maybe I just remember something else, like an illustration with cool clouds or something, and then I just you might. I think I fused two memories. I had a folder that had whales flying in outer space that was very purple. That's pro I probably just fused two memories of it could be, which would have been so cool. Like the that folder is probably one of the reasons why this is stuck with me so much because i always loved that folder like the ocean could have been the milky way or something yeah like there's for some reason in the 90s there was like a lot of illustrations of whales in outer space i'm not sure why 
but I thought they were always so cool. And I think that maybe you may have seen that and maybe right. thought there was more of that because of that right. trend. I don't even know where that trend came from. But it's a cool idea. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> okay, so that so that was pretty good. Yeah, that one is one of my two favorites. I, I loved that, that whole section. The next section is Rhapsody in Blue by Gershwin. And this one is based on the illustrations of Al Hirschfeld, who is was was a famous character as well. Is he still alive? I don't, I don't know. know. Well, I know he was alive when they made this because I remember hearing like an interview with somebody who said that they asked him for permission to use his style, and he he was so excited about it. He said if he were any younger, he'd be on a plane to help them make it right then. Sure. Yeah, I'm uninformed as to. His whereabouts or lack thereof. So we had a brief intermission and we found out that he is in fact dead. He died in 2003. He was almost 100 years old because he was born in 1903. So anyways, moving on from there. The the piece as a whole, what did you think of this one? I felt like it was, for me, one of the more engaging segments. But I love the old era probably you know especially 1930s 40s so i just think that engaged me more than it would some people i don't know it's telling multiple stories Mm -hmm. at the same time so it gets your sympathy and interest that way and it's historically interesting i suppose both for the illustration style and just the era that it's portraying so that's one that i would probably revisit out of the whole and it has a happy ending for the most part i'd say except for the old lady (laughs) (laughs) that was justice (laughs) so And I thought it was interesting how they included ice skating because I feel like that was such a big thing back then, even in the movies of the time, how skating would get portrayed. And Mm -hmm. it's just interesting as a little window to the past. Yeah, I like this one. I wouldn't say it's one of my favorites. It the, The music to me is so different than what we're used to in Fantasia. Because it's more jazzy, it's it Gershwin. Jazz, it's, yeah. it's more modern than the other music, which is fine. I don't, I don't dislike it. It just, it stands out to me too much. It doesn't feel as fantasia y, I guess. Another thing that I actually liked about the segment was at the beginning when they're drawing the skyline. It looks like an etch a sketch is drawing it. Oh <laughs> to yeah, me. it does. It does. So yeah. to me, that was engaging too. Yeah. Yeah, I I did like the the art. It was different, and I liked that it was different. It just it didn't feel fantasy to me, and that's my main criticism. And for me, I don't know how much I'm looking for something to feel like fantasia. I for me, the beginning it's almost like a children's book illustration. It might mm-hmm. make you think of Eloise or maybe even Madeline. I don't know. I can get that out of it, yeah. So to me, it has different interesting elements, and it was one of the ones that I liked better out of the whole Mm -hmm. bit. Yeah, it's one that a lot of people cite as their favorite out of the the movie. I wouldn't call it my 
favorite. I think I might have another one that I would choose as my favorite, but we'll get to that. <laughs> okay. After this one, we get to Piano Concerto Number 2. Allegro. This one is based on The Steadfast Tin Soldier by Hans Christian Andersen. And this one is one of the ones that it tells a definite story. They basically, it's just an adaptation of The Steadfast Tin Soldier set to music without words. In the original story, was he missing a leg? I don't know if I've ever read the original story. Okay, because I thought that was an interesting choice. I, I thought they had a little interesting relationship going on there. <laughs> well, I could look it up. So yes, we just looked it up, and the soldier did have one leg. I just, I liked the way they told the story of him starting the relationship with the ballerina and how with the ballerina and how she liked him the way he was and Mm -hmm. it was sweet and the -the jack-in-the-box is just like classic creepy dude (laughs) and he gets thrown in the fire which is probably how a lot of okay i shouldn't even say that (laughs) (laughs) you know sometimes chicks just if you're being creepy they just want you to go away (laughs) just go away before Somebody throws you into a fireplace. Just <laughs> go away and learn to be selfless. And and then you can have a girlfriend. <laughs> Good relationship advice. <laughs> I'm here for you. If you wonder why girls don't like you, it might be because you're arrogant and selfish and creepy. So, there you go. Dating tips with Sarah. But if you're not, then and then then just don't listen to me because there's probably the perfect person out there for you, and just volunteer at the Red Cross, and maybe you'll meet them. (laughs) There you go. Anyway, (laughs) where were we? (laughs) (laughs) The steadfast in soldier. Your thoughts? (laughs) Yeah, you're getting a lot of them. I thought it was creative. And it has a happy ending, and it makes me think of the Silly Symphony, The China Shop, which was one of our childhood, one of my childhood favorites, where you have the little damsel in distress and creepy bad guy, and everything turns out great in the end, so. I think a few of these reminded me of Silly Symphonies. They, they felt more like they would fit as mm. silly symphony shorts than as Fantasia segments. Mm. Especially this one. Anyway, this one was pretty good. Yeah, I liked it too. It's not one of my favorites, but I once I get it, once it starts, I'm into it and I like it. The animation style definitely looks like it's of the era. Yeah, it's, it's definitely CGI. <laughs> the next one we have is the Carnival of the Animals. And this is the one with the flamingos and yo-yos. This is the shortest one. It's I think it's the shortest of any piece in either Fantasia movie. We got you adore it. No. Okay. <laughs> I mean, this is another one that's it's fine, but I think they were using this one as sort of not a not as a replacement, but as like calling back to the hippo ballet mm. in the previous one, and I don't think it worked as good. I I. I much prefer the hippo ballet to this. The hippo ballet is more creative, more weird, more engaging. That being said, this one is cute. Mm -hmm. And the whole thing with the yo-yo reminds me of my childhood. So 
yeah, this one, the, the main thing I can say about it is it's cute. I like the flamingo design. It's I would a think, cute cartoon. I would think it would be relatively engaging for children. Yeah, and, definitely. And I thought it was yeah, pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> After that, then we have a repeat of The Sorcerer's Apprentice, which I guess if you want our thoughts about that, you can go to the next one. The main reason that this was included in this movie as well is sort of to call back to Walt Disney's original idea, which was to have Fantasia be... I don't know, a living show, like things would move on and be replaced and there'd be old segments that would come back. And he wanted Fantasia to be updated every few years. And this was, I guess, their way of hanging on to that. But since Fantasia is not getting updated every few years, and this is like a direct sequel, I kind of feel like this would have been better left out. It probably feels more like a rerun. Yeah. And... A lot of times when I watch this, I'm watching it right after I watched Fantasia, and I end up skipping this one because I just watched it. If they wanted it to be fresher, they could have just done something different with Mickey. Yeah, definitely. But The Sorcerer's Apprentice was not my favorite to begin with, and so having it repeated, it's just not going to be my thing anyway. Mm -hmm. The next one is Pomp and Circumstance. This one is another one where they're using a classic Disney character to tell a story. In this case, they're telling the story of Noah's Ark. This is the, the graduation song, Pomp and Circumstance, the song they play at graduations. But they didn't want to do something that you would automatically think of, which would be a graduation. So they chose to tell a different story with this song. Which, for me, this song doesn't just make me think graduation. I also think Land of Hope and Glory, you know, maybe recorded in 1940s Britain, but that's me. <laughs> so one of the things that I can appreciate about this section is that they talk about the composer's intention for it to be used for more than one thing. They definitely did it with this. Mm-hmm. It's if you're looking for biblical accuracy, <laughs> just go read your Bible. <laughs> Other than that, if you want a very cutified version of the flooding of the ancient world, then <laughs> this is it. <laughs> there, there are plenty of cute elements. I'd, I'd say one of the top factors of this is cuteness. Mm. Yeah. And it's a happy ending. And I mean, if this had been done back in the 1940s, they probably would have showed everything drowning. <laughs> Actually, you're probably right. Yeah, they would have showed all the, you know, all the stuff dying and swirling around and mankind crying out and everything. But no, this version, you have even the little mice are being rescued and it's all hearts and flowers and everything and love. <laughs> Rainbow. Life is good. Oh, and just a little educational note, people. It wasn't just two by two. There were sevens as well. I mean, that's one of the things that... Uh, it's kind of like the 1920s flapper misconception. It's one of those things that, for whatever reason, just annoys me that everybody's like, oh, yeah, it was always two by two. It's like, no. One of the things that was really cute is at the end, there was a whole flock of bunnies, but... <laughs> <laughs> But another thing that I appreciated was that they made the boat huge. It's Not like, like a little cartoon illustration where there's like, like 
two giraffes peeking out and you're like, how do they fit anything else in there? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, it would have been big, people. And the illustrations, I mean, they did a really nice job with this one. Yeah, this this is like one of the best, one of the shorts for the best character designs. Because all the animals were like Lion King quality. It had kind of the old school majesty that some of the old Fantasia had mm-hmm. as far as illustrating the animals and the arc. And I, I'd say this is one of the better ones. Just definitely don't look to it for biblical accuracy. <laughs> look to it for cuteness. Yeah, this one is probably in my top three. Like I have, sure. when I think of Fantasia 2000, there are two that always come to mind as my two favorites. This one, for some reason, I don't think of it right away, but as soon as it starts playing, I'm like, oh yeah, I love this. Sure. So yeah, this one is really good. It's one of my top three favorites. Yeah, it's a very feel good segment. Mm-hmm. Unlike the dinosaur one from the anime. <laughs> <laughs> and then we come to the Firebird Suite. Yeah. Which I am tempted to say was my favorite. This one is tied with the Pines of Rome, I think. It's, depending on my mood, this one might be my favorite. I, This one, I think, is the best animation out of all of them. Okay. It has a bull elk in it. That's, mm-hmm. that's endearing anyway. And I feel like it almost had a little bit of the spirit of Night on Bald Mountain. I was I was thinking of that when she was like down in the volcano before the firebird woke up. It's like this is almost like a sequel but not quite. Yeah. I love Spring. I mean it was just an interesting character pairing between the elk and is this like the personification of Spring? I don't even know. I always thought of her as like a wood nymph, but I think she's called like a sprite. Like okay. Some kind of a fairy, a nature fairy who brings spring. I think that they got really good shock factor of her touching the inside of the volcano and it coming to life. Like, if you're mm-hmm. a seven-year-old watching that, I mean, it, it already... would be memorable. It's already as an adult, you're like, ooh. But mm-hmm. and then you cry, and then you're like, oh no, spring is dead. No. <laughs> you might feel that way if you were five, but... I thought they did a really good job telling the story. Yeah. And I love the idea of an annihilated landscape coming back little bit by little bit. Mm -hmm. And some of this was absolutely just life bursting out of it. But that whole idea of renewal was really beautiful and it's interesting. And just how they kept having the elk and the nymph sprite whatever just the interplay of their characters it was Mm -hmm. just interesting and very artistic and definitely one of the best ones in this lineup so i'm tempted to call it my favorite Mm -hmm. i'm not gonna just be totally solid on that but i would be tempted to call it my favorite yeah like i said it's one of my two favorites this and the pines of rome i think it's really wouldn't you say it's really within the spirit of their storytelling and and Something that mm-hmm. it seems like something that Disney himself would like, and yeah, this one probably of all of the shorts felt the most like something that would have fit right in with the original Fantasia. Sure, Pines of Rome, a close second. I think if Pines of Rome had been all hand drawn, 
that one definitely would fit in with the original Fantasia. I think the fact that it was a lot of CGI doesn't make it feel quite as Fantasia-y, but the story itself and what they were going for and the music definitely feels Fantasia. It's just the insertion of the CGI that feels slightly off, but Mm -hmm. to me, I don't care because I love whales. I love the idea of whales flying. I think it's so cool. So I love the short, even though it doesn't feel 100% Fantasia. Mm. But yeah, the, the Firebird Suite one of the best ones it's really beautiful the animation is amazing love the music just it's so good it's been forever since we watched this together probably over 10 years or 10 i don't even know probably and one of the ones that actually stuck with me the most was the rhapsody in blue i don't know maybe because it was just so different Hmm. i don't know but i really like the firebird suite so yeah, maybe maybe those two at the top. And I did remember Pomp and Circumstance. And then there were things that were completely fresh because it had just been so long. One thing that we kind of have neglected to mention, before every short there was an introduction. Ah, yes. Which I am not a fan of. I don't know what you thought, but I'm not a fan of the introductions. Um... I think it depended on who was introducing it. I think Angela Lansbury at the end, mm. she's just yes, she's that's just true. a classy lady. The The idea of the introductions I was not a fan of, but there were a couple that I was okay with, Angela Lansbury being one. I did like her. I thought James Earl Jones was okay. Probably, be, yeah. uh, probably a lot of that is because it's James Earl Jones. I was not a fan of Steve Martin. He was the worst. That was just, I mean, part it was partly amusing to me and partly, like, groan-worthy. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I wouldn't necessarily be against him introducing something, but they could have made it better than what it was. I would have just preferred having it be like the original and having the conductor talk and introduce the songs. Like, he introduced a couple, but he wasn't there the whole time, and they mainly just wanted celebrity cameos. I guess because they thought people would be more interested if they're celebrities. I mean, who's that going to matter to? It's not going to matter to the kids. unless Unless they're picking out celebrities that actually matter to the kids. And I don't know how many of them would have... Like, how many seven-year-olds are going to be like, oh, James Earl Jones, yay! (laughs) I mean, the adults would get like, oh, yeah. But, I don't know. It was an interesting choice. Yeah, I just don't know... If they thought that it was going to be beloved for the celebrity cameos, because I don't know of anyone who absolutely loves having them there. And most people are either indifferent or mildly disgruntled like me. That's, to me, that's one of the things that brings us down more, is the celebrities. I think the main one that needed fixing was the Steve Martin one. Other than that, I don't know that I had any big problems with any of the others. Yeah, we we did skip the Sorcerer, Sorcerer's Apprentice. I'm oh, not, yeah. I'm not a huge fan of the Penn and Teller intro. Okay, so I can't comment on that because we skipped it and it's been forever since I watched the whole thing. Maybe I would have hated that one too. I don't know. but I, that I'm, I'm not a fan of that one or Steve Martin, but Steve Martin's probably my least favorite. <laughs> Sorry, Steve. <laughs> you play a mean banjo. <laughs> <laughs> 
I don't know. I it's just it's the one thing that I think brings the movie down, but I guess it's not horrid. <laughs> if you but, hate it, just mute it real quick. And you can skip them. And I, I saw online somebody had cut together a version of the movie that was much shorter, and I think that they cut out all the celebrity cameos. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe search around online and find that if you really want it without them. But, yeah. I think another thing that would have helped is just ha- sticking with one. Like, have Angel Lansbury introduce all of them. I would have been oh, fine sure. with that. Oh, sure. Sure. Her gentle presence. <laughs> That would have worked. Or even, yeah, or even just the conductor. Unless the conductor was like, I don't want to do it. I don't know. Another thing that was interesting. In the Firebird suite, when the bird thing is rising up, were there like little evil, were there like little evil smoke creatures going up with the bird? Or was it all bird? Because I felt like I saw at least one creature humanoid whatever in the smoke i didn't see that i saw like little ash flakes like when he's first rising up from the volcano there is at least one figure in the smoke and that also reminds me of night on bald mountain where you have all the creatures Hmm. swirling around never noticed i'll have to watch yeah you'll have you'll have to You'll have to zero in on that and tell me whether it's all bird or whether they actually put (laughs) figures into the smoke. So before I finished the podcast, I decided to check this out. I went back and watched the Firebird suite. And sure enough, Sarah was right. There were figures in the smoke. Nothing extremely detailed, but you can make out some like ghostly figures floating through the smoke as the Firebird came out, which... It's really cool, something I'd never noticed. I guess Sarah's more observant than I have been. Well, I guess that's probably going to be all for this review. Do you have any final thoughts of the movie as a whole? It's odd. (laughs) They're both odd, but after you've watched the first one, you're prepared for this one, you you know. And like I say, this one, I, I could see myself revisiting some of it more than the original even i mean for me neither of them are all bad or all good but i think i would be more likely to revisit some of this one Mm -hmm. yeah i guess in their in their own way they're both a mixed bag but i have more like i said childhood memories Mm -hmm. nostalgia to the first one so i'm which i really didn't watch growing up Mm -hmm. so i don't have that but this one I, I definitely see more of a mixed bag, and I'm more apt to skip around and just watch my favorites on this one. And I think that people should have the right to just cherry-pick with these. De- yeah, definitely, because, like, they're both... If you want to watch them both, you can just pick out your favorites, because it's not one whole story. It's kind of like a CD with all different songs, and just mm-hmm. pick what you like and skip what you don't. Yeah, It's like Pandora. There you go. <laughs> 20 years later, people... People are going to be like, what is she talking about? <laughs> it's an online radio station. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I think that's going to be all for this one. We don't know exactly what we're going to do next for Disney Movie Marathon. It might be Reluctant Dragon. Okay. Either that or I think Dumbo is next. Reluctant oh. Dragon sounds more cheerful. <laughs> <laughs> Either way. We'll have more Disney Movie Marathons soon. So we'll see you then. Bye. Bye.
Thanks for listening to this episode of the Disney Movie Marathon. If you like what you've heard, make sure to subscribe on your preferred podcast platform or to our YouTube channel. Make sure to follow my co-hosts as well. Any relevant links will be in the description for easy access. We'll be back soon with another brand new episode, so thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.